Hey, welcome to the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast, where theology and youth ministry meet. You can learn more about Youth Pastor Theologian online at youthpastortheologian.com or find us on social media at Youth Theologian. I'm your host, Mike McGarry. Thanks for joining us for this conversation about practicing theology and youth ministry. Well, welcome to another episode of the Youth Pastor Theologian Podcast. I'm here today with my friend and mentor, Dr. Walt Mueller. Walt, how are you doing today? I'm good, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. And uh, Walt's, a, Walt's a good friend, and I respect you so much and appreciate uh, the way that you have helped shape me as a, uh, as a Christian as a man and as a youth pastor. And so, uh, while I studied with you at Gordon Conwell, uh, in the doctor of ministry program for ministry to emerging generations, uh, do you want to give a sales pitch to, yeah, you know, uh, uh, invite others to participate in that program? Yeah. You could probably do a better sales pitch than me. And it's hard to believe Mike that when I look at the calendar, I think that was 11 years ago. We got yeah, to know each weird. other and we got yeah. started, but what a great journey. And it's been fun to watch what's happened to you, you know, during the program and then since getting out, but basically it's cohort learning. Uh, if you have a master of divinity degree, it's a doctor of ministry degree in ministry to the emerging generations. We have everyone from children's ministry people to uh, young adult ministry people, a lot of youth workers like Mike, and uh, we come together for two weeks, uh, two weeks a year, two two weeks, uh, one week right after the other in residency, and we study with Duffy Robbins, Adonis Vidu, myself, and everybody else in the cohort because it's cohort learning, and it's just a rich, rich time. We do that for three years, and then you write your thesis project, and you get your doctorate, and it's always it's always something, and Mike, you can speak to this. This is the beauty of a program like this. It, it's always something, your project is always tailored. Your program is tailored, and your project is tailored to your unique ministry situation. And I know for you, Mike, a lot of what you're doing now grew out of what you did yeah, in, that, in that program. And it's the same for me. Uh, you know, I, I went through a program like this years before, and uh, it was just a, a good place to sort of focus in and do the things you've always wanted to do that you've never had time because you've been so busy with ministry. But it allows you to stay in your ministry simultaneously. So it's a great, great program. Mm -hmm. If anybody wants to know about it, they can they can get a hold of you or they can yeah. send me a yeah, message. Happy, and, happy yeah. to answer questions. I actually just had a phone call with someone two days ago uh, who uh, is applying and has been accepted and is kind of weighing, is this, yeah, before I pull the trigger, Mike, I know you've done this thing. Um, kind of pick your brain on it. So yeah, it's pretty exciting to see this going through going forward. And I was part of that pilot program. So I was I was the guinea pig, right? Yes, you were. Um, you and so you and the rest of that great. crew. Yeah. And you're you're experience. one of the ones that actually finished. So yeah, kudos yeah. to you. You did a great yeah. job. Yeah. All right. Hey, well, as we start this conversation, uh, this episode, we're gonna be talking about youth culture and contextualization. Uh, Walt, you're uh, probably best known for the Center for, Center for Parent Youth Understanding, or CPYU. Uh, you've been a, a culture watcher for a long time, and uh, that's kind of what led to the formation of CPYU and, and what you do. So 
Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, what led you to want to understand youth culture from a Christian perspective and how that all dovetails into the formation of what you're doing at CPYU? Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. And I think a lot of it relates to how I'm wired. I'm probably wired by a lot, like a lot of people in youth ministry where uh, when I was going through school, which <laughs> was a struggle, right? From kindergarten on up, I think. Um, I was not wired to really engage with the hard sciences or math. I was more of a people person and, you know, things like history and English. And then when I went to college, sociology, um, I just always had an interest in those things. And so that led me more into the social sciences. And so when I was in college, I spent a lot of time as a sociology major with, with uh, anthropology, psychology. Uh, some, you know, obviously biblical studies classes and things like that. And they really meshed well. And when I came out of college, I went right into youth ministry in the local church, like most people who are listening now. Uh, and it became abundantly clear to me over the course of my time in youth ministry that the social sciences were really helpful. And they became especially helpful. And this was after I graduated uh, from Gordon Comma with an MDiv and went back into the local church, we were really intent in a church outside of Philly on uh, doing ministry with parents, which I know is a big, huge part of who you are. Yeah. We saw ourselves as I think theologically we need to, as there to assist as a secondary influence on kids with parents being the primary influence on their kids in terms of spiritual nurture. And I say all the time because people will say, well, what about those kids who don't come from Christian homes? Parents always have the greatest influence for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. on the spiritual nurture of their kids. And I, I do know that we have to become surrogate spiritual parents from time to time with certain kids, but we certainly can obviously reach out to parents through that, and we did. But we worked to build just a good working relationship with the parents. And after a few years there, when they trusted us and they knew that our team was working to support them, they came to me, a group of them, with a question. They said, we have a problem uh, we don't understand our kids. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He said, well, they're growing up in a world that's markedly different from the world we grew up in. And so this was in the late 1980s, Mike. And, you know, it was it was MTV time then, big time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, media was really ramping it up and starting to be probably the greatest influence on the values, attitudes, and behaviors of kids. And so these parents were asking a good question. And I said, you know, what do you want me to do about it? And they said, well, you're close in age to them. You seem to be tracking with their world because you could you help us unpack it and understand it so that um, we, we can then generate responses in our parenting and parent our kids wisely through this. Uh, so they so in effect, what they were saying was equip us to be cross-cultural missionaries. We want to lead our kids to understand yeah. and live out the gospel. But we need some help. And so that's how we got started with this. And one thing led to another. And we saw the benefits of this. And 33 years ago, 34 years ago, it led to a calling to do this full time. So we've been studying youth culture here at CPYU for all those years. And, you know, our, our mission statement is we want to increase uh, the ability of the church and the home uh, to nurture kids and teens into a lifetime of biblically faithful, whole life uh, Christian discipleship. And a big part of that is helping parents understand how do I guide kids and navigate kids through the stuff that's shaping or misshaping them? And I don't want to leave out, Mike, that, you know, our work over these years 
the kids I was working with back then are now parents yeah. and they need to be guided through it as well. And the culture, the cultural soup is just so powerful that uh, our work hasn't gotten any easier. And I think it's gotten more important as the years have gone on. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, yeah. And so it's interesting. Um, your perspective in, in doing this for so long. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for saying it that yeah, way. Yeah, you're, you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. I knew you'd appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so um, I, I guess I, I'm interested in hearing a little bit of reflection um, about your teen years, right? So what, what was your favorite TV show or, or band when you were a teenager? And um, maybe could you reflect on some of the differences of those TV shows and, and the music of your teen years with uh, what you experience and, and see happening today and uh, what can we draw from that? But I think it'd be fun to yeah, hear yeah. you. Uh, so before, yeah, what, what, before, what did you grow up with? Yeah, so before I tell you what those things were for me, which is fun to think back on because they're, they're still in some ways important to me. I think one of the differences is, well, let, let me give you a couple of differences. Back then, there wasn't as much, right? Yeah. I mean, the options just weren't there. It wasn't as nearly as pervasive as it is now. And because, you know, when you talk about music, I mean, we just, there weren't like earbuds. So you're mm -hmm. playing stuff up in your room or you're playing it wherever the family console stereo is. I'm giving away my age right now. <laughs> and then with the TV, we just had one television. So, yeah. you know, and, and three options on that television, ABC, NBC, CBS. And when you watch television, there was normally an adult presence. There were, if you had Christian parents like I did, there was, there were filters there. There were, there were filters that deterred me from turning on and watching and listening to certain things. And then there were all, also filters there who, when there were certain things that I was listening to or watching that might be questionable in terms of worldview elements, there was, there, there were people there who were willing to process that with me. Yeah. To ask the questions and train and disciple me through that. Uh, obviously my mom and my dad. So we watched a whole lot less. I mean, we're up to like the latest research now. Kids are nine hours a day engaged with screens for entertainment. That doesn't even include, you know, time spent for schoolwork and in school yeah. and, you know, on their screens there. So it's yeah, on the charts. So Chromebooks so, just all day long. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's 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 a 24-7 presence now. And people have to understand that in today's world, we're all doing this individually. So my wife doesn't even know what I'm watching on my phone. Um, you know, she and I will will go up to a track together and we'll walk. And by the way, she walks faster than me. I just need to say that. It drives me <laughs> nuts, um, you know, if she laughs at me. But she's just a beast at walking. Anyway, and we both have our earbuds in. We're not walking next to each other talking. Um, yeah. And that's quite telling as well. Yeah. But she has no idea what I'm listening to, and I have no idea what she's listening to. It's only when we're done and we say, hey, what did you just listen to? And sometimes it's music. For her, typically, it's Tim Keller sermons. So that tells you why she walks faster as well. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, we just, nobody knows now. So that's the difference, yeah. right? Yeah. So so what I was into, I, I was fun. I knew you were going to ask me this question. So I had a chance to think about it. For me, you know, late 1970s or late 1960s, when I'm really getting into music, uh, a lot of it started like around 1966. And by the way, because you're a comic book guy, you're going to love this. The Batman TV show 
Oh, yeah. The original with Adam West and Burt yep. Ward, you know, Batman and Robin. When that came out, that was huge in my life as a 10-year-old. Hey, see, there you go. Yeah, I know. I, I have, I've told you this before. I've told you guys on your comic podcast that this was it. But the other thing was, you know, about that same time, you know, the popularity of Batman really fed a lot of other things. And so there was this crazy TV show called The Monkees. Oh, and, I love the monkeys. Know, the, yeah, the fake Beatles, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's only one left living, Mickey Dolenz, which yep. really makes me feel old. But, you know, that was cutting edge. And so you're starting to get into music there. But by the time I hit late uh, junior high, which is now called middle school, um, I was introduced first to the band Chicago when they first came out around 1968, right. 69. Yep. And, um, I was fascinated by their music, just the sound of it and also the message. And I still, you know, continue to to listen to them quite a bit, especially early Chicago. Later Chicago yeah. was was nowhere near like the early Chicago was. Yeah. But they were great musicians early on and that was good. And then and then a little bit later, by the time I got into high school, I remember in ninth grade, the album that really rocked my world, totally different from Chicago, was Carol King's album Tapestry, yes. which was just a a plethora of hits that yeah resonated with me because they were about relationships and you know so when i hear that music i think back about about my relationships so you know that was it television i'll just give you two that i thought of um hawaii 50 the original one oh wow yeah uh, jack jack lord i know hawaii 50 is on now i have not watched it and then uh happy days all right and i i just um I, that was fascinating to me because of the American graffiti movie that came out that George Lucas did, which was, I just listened to a podcast on, on them making that. And, um, that, and happy days kind of grew out of that, you know, Ron Howard, I just read the book, the boys, which was written by Ron Howard and his brother, Clint Howard, which took me back through a lot of that as well. So that's cool. Yeah. That was it. That was it for me. That was the stuff that really kind of lit me up. Yeah. My wife was not a big, I was not a big rebel. Yeah, no, my wife makes fun of me all the time because I grew up on these TV shows that our parents watched growing up. And um, one of my favorite shows growing up was Magnum P.I. And oh, yeah, um, Happy Days and um, all that. So, yeah, you're and, and me, isn't it you're, you're now, strangely like, bringing me back to my childhood in the well, 80s? Yeah. Um, and the great thing about I grew it up is, on my parents, you know, TV shows through the Internet, smart TVs and all this yeah. crazy, these yeah. crazy ways we can stream things. We can watch all these things again. Yeah. It's awesome. But isn't it interesting how, um, you know, kind of just as, as culture watchers, there is so much parallel in what, what types of shows and music catch us and, and how they speak, uh, into relationships and identity, belonging purpose. Um, so there's a lot to, to draw out there. The forms take different shape, but really the, the heart cry of youth is, is fairly consistent. Well, yeah, you know, and I, Mike, I always say this, you know, you can't watch culture void of thinking about the developmental tasks that kids are involved in. Because as I say, culture is a soup that they swim in every day. It's a map. It guides them because it answers two of the basic questions all of our kids are asking. And even as adults now, you know, with extended adolescence and delayed adulthood, you know, number one is the identity question. uh, Who am I? And then, uh, which is all about identity formation. Yeah. And number two is worldview formation. What do I believe? Right. And the reality now is that we have, our kids have fewer voices speaking truth into their lives for a variety of reasons. 
yeah. uh, in answer to those questions. But even when the voices of truth, like those of us who are in youth ministry or parents or grandparents, as I, I am now, as we speak truth into their lives, it, it, it tends, it can easily get drowned out because of all the other stuff, you know, yeah. that's out there, just the sheer volume. And, and when I say volume, it's both amount and level of noise that's right. out there, right. you know, shaping, or I would say even misshaping and deforming our kids. So, yeah. hey, this is why your work, Mike, and our work here and the work that all the people are, who are listening are doing, whether they're parents or youth workers, is just so vital. Yeah. I, so vital. I, I totally agree. Um, so I, I'm sure that you've heard this pushback a lot because um, I've heard it some um, over the years. And, and if you're a, a, a you know, full time in CPYU, I'm sure you've heard this whole counterfeit argument. Right. Um, yeah. So when you're talking about youth culture and listening and watching alongside students and helping them to think Christianly about culture. You know, one of the pushbacks that we get is, you know, the IRS trains people to identify counterfeits by studying the real bills, not the fake ones. So why should we study culture and false worldviews and talk about that and teach that to our students instead of just focusing on studying the Bible and good theology? How yeah. do you respond to that objection? Well, you know, and I don't I don't hear that as much as I used to, Mike. Early on, I heard it a lot. And because of that, we had to develop an apologetic here for, uh, biblically, why we would, um, you know, understand culture. And we would go back and, you know, we'd, we'd look at Jesus and his ministry. We would look at Paul and his missionary journeys. We would look through the history of missions throughout, throughout the, you know, the history of the church. And, you know, even... Even uh, the prayer Jesus prayed the night before his death that his disciples in all times and all places would be uh, not only protected from the evil one, but would be in the world, but not of it. It's dangerous business, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I've had to develop that apologetic, but clearly, you know, the more I think about that over the years, that is just a ridiculous, um, it's a ridiculous question because to yeah, to you study what what they're it really actually makes a case for what we do here because we obviously want to start with God's word. So that's the truth. We study the truth. But you need to know how to apply the truth to the falsehoods. And the only way you're going to apply the truth to the falsehoods is when you see the falsehoods. And just like counterfeit bills, this is what the Secret Service does, right? Um, a lot of people think they just protect presidents, but really their big thing is dealing with, you know, the currency and counterfeits. Yeah. You know, the, the counterfeits are being passed around widely, and we need to help our kids understand what the counterfeits are. And sometimes it's taking the counterfeit and putting it in front of them and saying, look, this is not real because they're buying into it. They'll argue with us. No, this is real. This worldview mm -hmm. is true. And, you know, so I, I think about John Stott, John Stott, uh, the great theologian, and I often lean into this. He talked about, um, you know, every Christian needs to be about the task of dual listening. I think that's really important for youth workers yeah. and parents. And it's listening first to God's word and then listening to the world. And we, we do that so that we know how to bring the light of God's word to bear on the realities that exist that are out there in the world. And those counterfeits are unfolding hourly in our world today. And so, uh, we need to know what they are. You know, a good analogy from from just football, Mike, right? Because you would get this. 
Yeah. When um, and I'll and I'll talk about the Patriots, right? Because <laughs> oh, I knew what, you would. No, in, in a positive way. Because oh sure wow, Belichick, now that's a shock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a first, right? So so Belichick. One of the things that makes him a great coach, I'm sure, is not just that he's a good strategist in developing an offense and a defense for the Patriots, but one of the ways that he does that is, I'm sure. You know, you, you hear in the press conferences, right? We hear this all the time in Philly. I'm not going to know how that player did until I look at the film. Well, yep. you don't only look at the film of your own team. Very quickly, you're going to study the film of your upcoming opponent. And you might right. study that more than the film of your own team because you want to know what they do when they're on offense so that you can now create your defense. And you want to know what they do on defense so that you can now have an effective offense. And, and in yeah. effect, that's in many ways what we have to do. Yeah. Well, and this is presupposing that we are actively teaching the gospel and that we're teaching scripture in our ministries. So I don't think either of us are advocating for shelving Bible study um, and good expository teaching and preaching in exchange for cultural analysis. Yeah. Um, but I, I do let me, let me, yeah, yeah, let me, can I say something to that? Yeah, Mike? Of, course, and, of course, because this is really important, you know, cause I've got a long view on this since I started full-time in youth ministry in 1978 before <laughs> many who were listening to this were even born. And I will tell you this, if I could go back and change anything about any period in which I was involved in doing local church ministry, and if I could change anything about our youth ministry world, it would be that we'd, we would lean more and more into the gospel and teaching the Bible. Um, we all, we, I taught the Bible, but I see now I wish I had balanced, shifted the balance more uh, and weighted it more towards Bible teaching because, you know, look, like you, I'm not against fun. Um, you know, I'm a guy who loves to have fun and, and, mm -hmm. and certainly there was a lot of bad fun that I was involved <laughs> with early on. We joke, some of us who are older in youth ministry joke that we're, it's a good thing we're not in prison, uh, for a lot of the stuff we had kids doing, but, and that we did, but, you know, it just, um, and I'm talking about the fun and the games there, some of the silly things we did, but, yeah. you know, we just, we, we need to understand that this currency of falsehoods that's out there is just so rampant and so pervasive and so compelling that the, we need to speak the truths of God's word and let the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's promised work yeah. in the lives of our kids. All right. So, um, that's a great word. So let me shift up. I know I, I sent you a list of questions ahead of time, um, but I, I want to close out our conversation with this and say, how do we, how do we do what you're just saying, right? How do we prioritize teaching the word and uh, focusing on building a Bible-centered youth ministries? Um, and what role does culture and contextualization and just being aware of youth culture play when we're teaching scripture? So, yeah, I guess uh, the short version of the question, um, what role does youth culture and contextualization play in teaching the Bible? Yeah, and that's a great question. And, you know, I get asked that a lot, and there's so much out there. It's it's not just what role is it, but how do I do it? And so I think the first thing is that we have to be really, really good listeners, first and foremost, obviously, to God's Word. And we are never, Mike, as, as parents and as youth pastors, we are never done digging deeper and deeper and deeper into the beautiful treasure chest of God's Word and God's truth. 
um, it is it is it is a bottomless, beautiful place, and I, I think we need to you know nurture ourselves, obviously, but then we need to listen to our kids and listen to their world. Um, I when I say listen to our kids, you know, find out specifically. Well, well, I think first look look at the larger culture, and I think just reading certain things, you know, tracking with certain things, using our online time more wisely. You know, one of the things I'll say, and just to promote CPYU, if you go to our webpage, cpyu.org, five days a week, we're posting um, the latest that we're finding. And we're, you know, yeah. we're obviously putting it out there for you. It's not everything, but the things that we're finding that are happening, and you can just breeze through that. You can read headlines. You can dig deeper in articles. It'll give you a sense of sort of the macro picture of this globalized youth culture and what's going on. I mean, I just posted something today about authority and truth that we do a little one minute daily youth culture today podcast. That's a big that's such secret. a gold mine. Well, I, and it's such I'm a shocked that more people. youth workers don't know about that. I, I know. I, I wish so because it's, it's not just, it's just one minute for you on a weekday yeah. to get caught up and then to just funnel it onto parents and say, parents, here's something that's going to be helpful to you. And it's always informative. Yeah. And, you know, we it's trust so accessible, challenging. Yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, so track with that. All right. But then, I think as well, and there's other places you can go, obviously. Um, I would say this, whenever you're engaged with media yourself, um, don't just sit back and listen uncritically. I think we have to have our thinking caps on and be engaging critically and Christianly and asking questions about what worldview is being promoted here. You know, uh, how is this shaping or misshaping kids? Because that'll that'll tune us in. But beyond the macro, Go to the micro, and the micro is your your individual kids, and find out you know what are they listening to, what are they watching, what are they reading. If in fact they read, and they should mm-hmm. be, um, where are they spending their time on social media? Track with their social media to see. Yeah, you know, social media is a great, just it's a great. It's like pulling back the curtain on their insides because you'll see. You <laughs> well, know, that's and, a mental picture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and but you get to see. Yeah. really who they are and you learn to you learn to translate social media into you know well this kid's struggling with identity and of course what kid is not right but you can look at the specific ways that's happening and it just is a great way to spark conversations but get to know your kids and what's shaping or misshaping them and and obviously you're not going to know everything and never should your cultural study supersede or overshadow your study of God's word. Because if you get that imbalance, you know, chances are it's going to influence you in ways that are not really helpful either. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that's what yeah. I would say. And, you know, just the whole question, and I'll just say, act, read the second half of Acts 17 and Paul's engagement with the Athenians. Mm-hmm. He goes in there to preach Jesus and the resurrection. And it says when he arrives, he sees He's distressed because the, the city is is a veritable forest, one translation says, of idols. It's yeah. littered with idols. It's smothered by idols. And yet, what does he do? He walks around and he listens carefully. He, lo- he looks carefully at their objects of worship so that when he opens mm-hmm. his mouth to talk about Jesus and the resurrection, he's able to do so in terms that they can understand. Yeah, this is so helpful. Uh, we could talk for another half hour easily about this. Um, and we have, um, but uh, as we close out our conversation, are there any resources uh, from you, from CPYU, uh, from others uh, that you would recommend? Obviously, you 
uh, recently published Youth Culture. Oh yeah, uh, understanding yeah, youth yeah. culture with yeah, students the track guide series. to navigating a students guide to navigating culture. The little yep. book with R Y M. Yeah, you know that's the. I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of forgot about that. That is actually the smallest book I've ever written. But I I've said to people I think it's the most important because I took what I've learned over the course of these first you know three decades and tried to summarize it in a way that a student could understand. Yeah. And it's a good little book, inexpensive for youth workers to yeah. work through with their kids. And what it does is it goes through, you know, let's look first, it teaches them to be cultural exegetes. So mm-hmm. let's look at what the world's saying. Well, what does the word say about that? And then what does that mean for how I walk? Yeah. So that's one, our website, cpyu.org, the podcast. And I'm going to go back to an old book, Mike, that it's embarrassing to me to mention it because of the way it starts, but there are timeless principles in there. It's the book I wrote called Engaging the Soul of Youth Culture. I love that book. Bridging Teen Worldviews and Christian Truth. And what I'm going to say to people is, you know, I was at a conference once and they introduced me and they said, this is the guy who writes these books on culture that by the time they're printed, they're obsolete and out of date. So the first Ouch. paragraph in here is all about a guy sitting at his computer working on his MySpace site. Oh my gosh. But get past that, right? Get past <laughs> it. That's because the principles you know, like in I, that book really are, are have shaped me significantly. Yeah. Well, there's principles. That's the thing. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I probably have to redo that somehow, some way. But that that I think would get to the core of what we've talked about here. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Walt, for joining us in this conversation. Thank you, listeners, for joining in as well. Please visit youthpastortheologian.com to learn more about our resources. You can find us on social media at Youth Theologian. We also have an active Facebook group where you can ask questions, share articles, and generally encourage fellow youth pastor theologians who are in the trenches with you. We'd sure appreciate it if you'd be so kind as to subscribe, leave a review, or even recommend this podcast to fellow youth workers. You can also subscribe to get new articles delivered to your inbox and to ensure that you don't miss any fresh content by checking out our website at youthpastortheologian.com. Most of all, we appreciate your ministry and your partnership in the gospel. If there's a topic that you'd like us to address, or if you have an article to submit for the blog, then you can also share those on our website by following the submissions tab. In the meantime, keep your eyes on Jesus, and we'll see you next week.